Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Big Cruise Podcast and to episode 65. My name is Baz, I'm your host, and in today's show we'll shortly be joined by Emma from Emma Cruises. She's going to update us on some of her recent activities as cruising is restarting in the Northern Hemisphere and uh, changing things up. Chris is going to join us in the second half of the show when he brings with him his maritime history. This week he's answering a listener question and, of course, bringing with him the whole range of cruise news from around the world. Uh, just a reminder, um, if you do want to get in touch with the show, you can do so via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, and then in the top right-hand corner, join the show. That's how you can send through a question to us for myself or Chris to answer. Or if uh, you are in a part of the world where cruising has restarted, we'd love to hear from you and uh, set a date to record a cruise review. It's very easy. All you need is an internet connection, and uh, away we go. We can uh, chat and discuss your, your cruising activities. And, of course, one little uh, thank you to those of you that are continuing to listen, like, and subscribe wherever you find this podcast. It's available on pretty much every podcast directory. We uh, we thank you for listening in each and every week and also for sharing it with people that you think may also enjoy it as well. But uh, let's jump straight into it. Let's head over now and uh, bring Emma into the studio to talk all things cruising out of the UK. And once again, it's time to catch up with the princess of all things UK cruise. It's Emma from O Cruises. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me back again. Oh, no. Always a pleasure. And I'm, I have to have you back because you're the only person I can live cruising through at the moment. So uh, with the exception of a couple of our listeners, of course. But um, you've had a couple of exciting weeks. You've got even more planned in the future. But let's, uh, let's recap. Last time we spoke to you, you'd just been on the very first cruise that had cruised out of the UK for any brand. That was, of mm-hmm. course, on uh, on MSC, but uh, just more recently, you've been very, not lucky, because you, you, you've worked hard for it, but you've been very privileged to experience mm-hmm. celebrity silhouettes, which I know you have experienced yes. before, but of course, she had a bit of a nip and a tuck, she had a bit of a makeover, and she was uh, looking particularly special, 
and I want to hear all about it. So, so, so where did you go? Who did you take? How was it? Let's fire away. Okay, so I took my first cruise on Silhouette three years ago before the big refit. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to cruise with celebrity, but they're quite expensive for me. So mm-hmm. I did a three-night cruise over a bank holiday weekend. Everyone was celebrating their birthdays. Everyone was drunk. We went to Amsterdam, and I thought that was great. Um, but it wasn't but a I celebrity still... experience. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I still don't think I can confidently explain celebrities people based on that trip because I knew that that wasn't what that was like so I took a cruise again on celebrity silhouette it just happened to be the same ship but she had had 75 million dollars spent on her since the first time I was on board we did a British Isles cruise I took my mum and we went to um, Dover on the south coast which is very close to where I live anyway (laughs) up to Liverpool and we did Belfast Um, at the minute here in the UK you still have to do the kind of organized excursions so I went to the um, big Titanic museum in Belfast we did a Beatles tour in Liverpool because I feel like you have to do that and we went on a um a little steam train in, in Dover, which was nice. It was a bit strange being so close to home because I normally <laughs> I used to commute to work on the train and it was kind of just like a train through the countryside that I see all, all, all the time anyway. But I imagine if you were from America or somewhere, it would be the quaintest, cutest little train trip that anyone's <laughs> ever been on. But it, it was it was brilliant. And I mean, after the last year, even going a few miles to Dover yeah. is exciting these days. So yeah, for me, it was the ship was the destination though it could have gone nowhere <laughs> i was joking with chris i know you know just a couple of weeks ago saying that we'd be happy to go on a, a ferry to rotness which is an island 20 minutes off the coast of here yeah. like, we just want to go on something it's ridiculous yeah, so i, I have to go anywhere <laughs> now obviously celebrity normally attracts oh, a little under three thousand passengers but obviously in covid times things are different roughly how many were on board how was the the atmosphere etc Yeah, so we had, it was just under a thousand passengers and about the same number of crew on board. So it really was like being on a more luxurious ship where you pretty much have one person per person. Um, But on a big ship where you still have all the things that I like about having a big ship, really it was the best of both worlds. Um, I know they do have to increase the capacity as things move on, but it was very nice to be on that less, less than half full ship. Mm-hmm. And have things changed much in the form of embarkation? Obviously, being on that first cruise, things were people were learning the whole process. We're a couple of months or a month or so down the track now. Had embarkation changed in any way, shape, or form? So, with MSE, you have to do a test at the port, and with Celebrity, you just do a PCR test three days before. So, right. I had done I had done everything before I got to the port with Celebrity. With MSC, um, because we had to do the test, we had to wait for results. It took about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. With celebrity, from my car to being on the ship was 20, 22 minutes, which I wow. think was very good, because yeah. all they had to do was check, do you have the negative tests? Have you yeah. had your vaccines? Um, we did all of the check-in, even taking our security photos and stuff before we went. So yeah. you just show them your QR code, show them your proof, li- literally straight through. It couldn't have been easier. And I, I hope that they keep that moving forward because yeah. I would prefer, you know, when I'm sat at home just to check in and get everything done rather than standing at the cruise port. It was so easy. So hopefully that carries on. <laughs> Brilliant. And um, you mentioned that Silhouette had had a bit of a, a refurb there. Um, any kind of standout areas that you'd seen a, a big difference in? Or was it more like soft furnishings and, and a bit of a refresh? 
So I think the, almost the entire ship has had the kind of soft refresh where they've changed the colours and they've changed things. Um, one of my favourite areas on board, so Celebrity are quite famous for their real grass that they have mm -hmm. on, on the top. And when I cruised on the ship before, there was this bar called the Sunset Bar, which was at the back of the ship. And yep, then there yep. were two just plain grass strips down the side where they would do, I think they would do like bowls and uh, uh, yeah. stuff. And you'd get, a, um, you'd get a blanket, you'd sit down. It was all very nice. But what they've done is they've changed those two side places to be really nice seating areas and they have they have changed it from being a lawn. There is right. still a lawn in the middle of the ship. Yeah. Um, but what I found when I took the first cruise, admittedly, I did take a party three day cruise, but there just were not enough seats on there. So I think a lot of the refurb that they've done is adding in extra seating areas, which right. I think... It doesn't sound that exciting, but it's so nice when you're walking around and you can just find a lovely place, a lovely bar at the back of the ship and and, and sit down. So there were loads of places like that. They've redone kind of all the, the big sky lounge and they've changed a few places from um, there was a place that was like a wine bar and now it's a beer place and like little things like right, that. Yeah. Um, but really, it was just updating it because the ship was 2011 originally yeah. made. And now I look back at some of the old photos and I'm like, oh, that looks... Um, <laughs> I know it's it's only ten years, but yeah. after ten Fashion years, change, yeah, 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 it was quite um quite bright orange before. I forgot Celebrity went through a really bright orange phase, but they did, <laughs> and they've come out of it now. It's a bit kind of more grown up. <laughs> 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 love it with those chairs up on the top deck there i think uh, i think i've seen them on um solstice when she comes into sydney like a round wooden structure kind of built within the lawn almost like a gazebo but not oh you're talking about the alcoves yes oh okay right. they're they're a thing you have to pay for so not a place that i would pay to sit um <laughs> on a port day it's 99 dollars for the day and on a on a sea day, it's 249 I think, Ooh, to rent okay. this place to sit. And the thing is, is they sell out. They're very, very popular. Yeah. Um, but when I could sit for free, you know, a few metres away, I'm not going to pay for an outcome. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of your budget, we know you are a, a, a fan of a particular type of cabin or stateroom. Are we back into the inside cabin on this cruise? Well, this one, I was invited on it by celebrity, which meant that I had a balcony cabin. Oh, I know, okay. me in a balcony. And not just a balcony, but I had a midship balcony. And oh. for me, I always book the cheapest inside cabins. I never pick my location. So I'm always right at the front or right at the back. And I didn't realize how... I'm not used to coming out of my cabin and going, oh, is it forward or back? Because, right. <laughs> yeah, to me, it's always, oh, I'm out of my cabin. There's one way to go. You walk four miles that way before you get to anything. So that was very nice. Um I, I probably am still going to book inside cabins going forward. I, I like them and they work well for me. But, um, you know, celebrity inviting me, they wanted me to have, have, have a balcony <laughs> and I'm not going to complain. So Yeah, I saw on one of your, your social posts, you were asking the, your, your fans and your, your followers um, if you could spend like a month or three months or something in an inside cabin, yeah. but only two weeks in a, a veranda, what would you choose? And I'm yeah, with you, actually. I think I'd go for the inside of the longer cruise. I had a friend on this ship who had a suite who very kindly let me have a look around. But obviously, I come back and I'm looking up the prices of how much did that suite cost compared to compared to the balcony, compared to the inside cabin. And it was about, yeah, about four times the price of the inside cabin. So that's where that question came from. <laughs> Would you prefer to do a week in a suite or four weeks in an inside? For me, hands down, inside cabin every time. <laughs> And um, how is Celebrity handling the uh, the buffets on board? Is it pretty much the same as everybody else, just that it's served to you? Yeah, it, 
the buffets, I think, on Celebrity is my favourite cruise ship buffets, hands yeah. down. They're absolute. The food is amazing, and they're really quite open in design. I know they yeah. didn't design it for for social distancing, but it works really well for that. And yeah, it's the same thing. You just ask for your food; they just hand it to you. Um, the slight difference was that on MSC they would keep giving you new plates when you asked for stuff, and on Celebrity you would hand them the plate, they'd put the food on it, and they'd right. bring it back. Yeah. But apart from that, you still walk around, you still see what you want, you still ask for it, and go and sit down. So, yeah. Mm. And how about the old good old cookies? Do we have a little visit to the coffee shop at all? Oh goodness, Celebrity, I. They're coming up close. I think Princess is still my best for the chocolate oh, really? chip cookies. Okay. Yes, I think so. But Celebrity have got almost unlimited 24-hour access to the cookies. So that does does raise them <laughs> up. Um, not just in the buffet, but they also have this cafe where you have tea and there's jars of cookies there. Um, they have even gluten-free ones, sugar-free ones. They've worked out their cookies and they're very nice. And I did get to know the cookie lady, you know, who was handing them out. Now, I've always got an alcohol question, but I've got a different one today because one of my good friends at Celebrity here in Australia was telling me about this new type of martini that they have on uh, on Edge and uh, Apex, a kale martini. Apparently it's the new signature martini. Have you tried it? Kale? I didn't have it. I didn't see any kale martinis. That sounds... no, I just can't imagine it. <laughs> I had, um, we had like an electric blue martini and they had... Uh, banana daiquiris were very nice, things like that. But I didn't see any... any. Okay. I, I wouldn't well, order that, I don't think, if I saw it on the menu. <laughs> I'm going to have to just to try it. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Because it does sound gross. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, how about your mum? Did, uh, did she find anywhere on the ship that she really liked to call her own little spot? I think mum was just overwhelmed by being on this trip completely. And she found it so strange because people would come up to me when we sat down in dinner or we would walk across and people would be like, oh, I subscribe to your YouTube channel. And (laughs) I think for mum, she found that so strange. We've never been on a trip before where other people have spoken to me. Um, But she'd never cruised with a celebrity before. I think it's the type of cruise that her and my dad, they should definitely do one themselves. Yeah. but she was just she was just so happy to be there. She was so excited by everything that <laughs> she kind of just went with the with the flow and was happy to do anything, which was good. So I was dragging her around like we've got to take pictures of the um, you know the retreat deck and we've got to go see this and we we tried speciality meals and things we would never normally do on a cruise. So I think we were just just so happy to be there. <laughs> Does she think that she's still your only listener on the only watcher on YouTube? I think so, because when she can't come, she really apologises to me. She's I'm so sorry, I'm going to have to miss your live stream. Um, it's okay, like, other people, other people will come. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I, obviously it is a bit strange, and I think we've had the year off, so going back into it now, yeah, things have changed yeah. a lot, so it's, it, it's, it's fun for me, but I thought she, she found it a bit, a bit different. <laughs> now, you touched on speciality dining there, and I know you don't generally... Uh, choose to go to speciality dining but I'm just wondering because I'd like to experience it myself did you experience Le Petit Chef? I did go to Le Petit Chef and it was one of the strangest things ever (laughs) I tried to describe it to my mum before I went and I've tried to describe it to so many people since I've come back but it doesn't sound like a real thing Um, so for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what this is imagine you're in a restaurant (laughs) you're in a restaurant and it goes dark 
and your plate lights up and then from the ceiling is projected down a tiny little chef who will prepare your dinner for you on your plate. So he will scoop a fish out of the sea, he will make ice cream out of snow and he'll prepare your dinner animated on your plate and then your real food will come take the place of the animated food. It's supposed to look exactly the same and it happens for every course (laughs) and it's quite... (laughs) an event because it's the whole restaurant does it at the same time it's like a set show time obviously you wouldn't have it going dark midway through (laughs) other people's meals um but it was it was bizarre I mean the food was good all of the food is good on celebrity but it's more kind of about the show and I was there with people who I didn't really know very well having dinner so it was nice to have like this is a very good focal talking point to watch this strange little man uh, do what, whatever it is he's doing on your plate. It, it's definitely a thing that I'm glad I did it. I don't know if you need to do it twice because I've already seen the animations and I probably yeah, just yeah. want to eat it now, to be honest. <laughs> but I'm glad I went. Like it was, it was really good fun. Well, I think that was pretty well explained. Actually, I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, I, I keep trying. It's just, <laughs> it doesn't sound like. Imagine someone pitched this idea and someone said yes. Okay. <laughs> Strange. A fun day in the office in Miami that yeah. day. <laughs> mm. Now let's move on, um, unless you've got anything else that you want to share with Silhouette, because I know you have had a, a little, little event. You were whisked off in a private car down to the uh, naming yes. ceremony of Saga Spirit. Yes, I, I almost declined the trip because we've been having a heat wave. I know you all laugh at what our heat waves are, <laughs> but for us, we've been having a heat wave. And I, I was invited to the naming ceremony, which is very exciting, but I was looking at the trains and thinking it's going to be hot. So I almost declined. And then they said they would send a car to my house. So they picked me up from outside my door. They dropped me back at the end of the day. And it was amazing. We basically had a really, really quick tour of Spirit of Adventure, which is the newest saga ship. Lovely ship. I did a couple of days. Um, they did like a shakedown cruise for her sister a few yeah. years ago. So I spent a few days on board. I knew that I would like the ship, but we ran around it as fast as we could. We went to the naming ceremony. Not many of us there. It, it was quite, I felt very special to be in that small group. Yeah. And then we had lunch and then they drove me home. It was a brilliant day. <laughs> <laughs> and for the, for the benefit of the listeners, particularly if they're already here in Australia, they've probably never heard mm-hmm. of Saga. So just explain who Saga is and, you know, why they're that little bit different. Yeah, so Saga are a 50-plus, strictly 50-plus cruise line here in the UK. Very, very British experience on board. The idea of Saga is that you kind of book the Saga cruise and it includes your travel insurance. It includes, like, the taxi that I had from home. And they don't try and upsell you on everything, which I think is really nice. When I was doing the tour, they said that even in the spa, they make their spa people sign a thing. Yeah, it's all this, yeah. They won't pressure sell anyone, which is so good because that puts me off going in the spa completely because once you've had anything, they just assume you're going to buy stuff. And I I find it really awkward, but they really don't want to do that. I also like that kind of they didn't, I don't know, for me, the shops where you buy watches and perfume and stuff tend to be kind of a waste of space. Like I don't go on a cruise to buy a watch or jewelry and they've almost got rid of all of that stuff. and They just have kind of practical things that you would need. So that's the kind of saga idea. If you're 40 and you're cruising with someone who's 50, that's allowed, but definitely nobody who's under 40. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and then looking at uh, the images, like it looks like a really open and airy, to me almost like Viking, but a bit more colourful, like just really connected with the ocean kind of experience. Yeah, I agree. Um, they said when we were on board that they try and keep things colourful because of their 
customers some of their eyesight if they try and keep things like bright so that everyone can see where stuff is which i think is really nice like they don't want it to be beige or you know yeah yeah i thought i thought that was nice (laughs) i love that explanation (laughs) that's what they said (laughs) but it is it is like the funnel is bright yellow and the seats are all bright green or bright blue or but yeah it's very it's very nicely done like i would be more than happy to cruise on those ships there they're really like yeah, I, I, I can't. Like, even if I had all the money in the world, I can't. But <laughs> as the ships, like, I think they're gorgeous. They're really nice. Brilliant. Now, I've got a little challenge for you. Nothing to do with these two ships that we just talked about. But early, in fact, I think it was back in December when me and Chris were talking about ships that we would love to get on if things improved and we could, you know, get out and out in the world, which is not mm-hmm. happening here in Australia anytime soon. Um, yep. But obviously, Fred Olsen took over two of the previous Holland America ships, the old Amsterdam and Rotterdam. Amsterdam yep. being one of my actual favourite ships ever. She's just a beautiful mid-size classic, but you know, just a real nice flow. So I've got mm-hmm. a, a little challenge. If you can get on board Fred Olsen in the next six months, I really want a full review because I love that ship and I want to see what they've done to her. I would love to. They sent me this notebook that I have here. I, I think I've got an invitation then. <laughs> They send me a notebook, so that's a good start. So we'll keep working on it. Um, yes, I would. I would love to. I I have never cruised with Fred Olsen. Um, I am not avoiding them, but it just hasn't happened for me yet, and that would be brilliant. So fingers crossed. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, yeah, I've got a few extra cruises booked in for for the remainder of the year. I think somewhere on the horizon there is potentially a revisit of Virgin coming up. Yes. Yeah, so I have booked Scarlet Lady. Um, I'm not sure how I'm going to like it. I'm kind of looking at the daily schedule and there's some weird things on that daily schedule. But the food looks good. The price was good. Hopefully the sun will shine and I'll be on a cruise. So, I mean, I'm sure I'll have a good time. But I'm not convinced yet. I think I'm going to have to wait till I get back. I think that's good that you're not convinced. I think you're actually going to come back and love it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to see if Virgin get who they want on these cruises. because That's going to be the challenge, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if the people that have actually booked the cruises are going to want to do the things that I've seen on the schedule, like um, erotic painting, sex therapy, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> but we will, we will wait and see. I mean, it's, it's nice to have something different. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just keeping back my judgment for now. I'll let you know soon. Well, he, he gave an honest review last time, so I'm sure you'll do it again, so... We'll look forward yeah, to that one. I'm, I'm, I still don't think I'm ever going to like it. I mean, they haven't made the swimming pool bigger. The bed situation is still strange, but the price was really good. The food looks really good. There's soft drinks included, Wi-Fi included. Like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be quite happy. I'm sure. They, might, they may win you over the cookies. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. The food looks really, really good. I've been looking <laughs> at all of the menus for all the different restaurants because you, well, you don't have to pre-book the restaurants, but they're filling up really fast. So okay. I've been booking them, um, trying to use their new app, which has been a pain in the bum, but they've sorted it out for me. I do have bookings now, so I'm just going to eat eat my way through the cruise and that's <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. So Emma, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you once again for brightening your day here in Australia where we, we can't travel anywhere. So we're, we're just living through you, as we mentioned before. Yes, thank you for having me. I do feel bad, um, but I can't do much from here, so I'll just test things out for you, and then hopefully you'll get there soon. Yes, exactly. And just for the (laughs) listeners, once again, where do they find you? Where's the website? Where's your socials? Okay, so my website is emmacruises.com. My YouTube channel is Emma Cruises. My Twitter, my Instagram, my Facebook are called Emma Cruises. Whoop, whoop. 
All easy. Easy <laughs> peasy, it. yep. Simple. Thanks. Brilliant. Emma, thanks again. Speak to you soon. Can't wait to hear about the next one. Bye. me again just a quick reminder um if you want to help keep this podcast on air there's a little way that you can do it if you're familiar with patreon which other podcasters and youtubers use that's a way of uh, sending a little donation uh, through to them we use something similar but we use a system called buy me a coffee um just like uh, buying your friends a, a coffee in the coffee shop very very similar although you're not physically buying me a coffee you're making a small donation and every donation is greatly appreciated because it really does help to uh, to keep us on air and the benefit is once you have made that donation um you are then receive priority access to the podcast because if all of our supporters do receive the uh, the link to the podcast the moment that it is made live and uh, it can take about 12 to 24 hours for itunes and the other podcast directories to to pick it up so if you would like uh, that priority access then the easiest way to do so is to support us via buy me a coffee you can buy one coffee you can buy two coffees you can buy 10 coffees or you can buy a whole year supply it's entirely up to you but every single uh, little donation through buy me a coffee is greatly appreciated the links of how to do so you'll find in the show notes of each and every episode thanks in advance and as you know we've mixed things up a little bit this week in the second part of the show it is time to uh, bring in our regular guest of course our maritime historian and all things cruise news chris welcome back to the show Oh, thanks, Baz, and no problems at all listening to Emma's insights there. It's fascinating to hear somebody who's actually experiencing the cruise uh, yeah. industry in a way that we haven't yet been able to. The way the, way the other half live in the Northern Hemisphere at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, yes, uh, they've, they've, had, they've had some tough times too, though, so we mustn't forget that. They've done, the, they've done their yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, the first uh, question we've got from a listener actually ties in with maritime history mm. and also very, very timely, ties in with some great news that you've got as well. So we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that in just a second. But Ian from the UK actually sent in a question regarding the name of uh, Queen Elizabeth as in the Cunard ship. I okay. wondered why she was referred to as just Queen Elizabeth and not QE3, given that right. there was a QE2. So yes. over to you, mate. So we're talking, of course, about the uh, the, the latest um, Queen Elizabeth, yeah. the, the cruise ship that um, entered service in 2010. Uh, actually, there's an interesting story behind behind this. Um, okay. So if you look, you know, we've spoken in the past about how cruise lines name their ships and that there are certain names that get reused yep, time and time yep. again. So from a modern Cunard perspective, uh, Queen Elizabeth as a name has been used three times now. So mm-hmm. first Queen Elizabeth in um, the 1930s, it was 1939, 1938 rather, she was launched. Then um, Queen Elizabeth II which has an interesting story behind a whole, maybe next week we can do QE2's name because it's a whole other okay. story all onto itself. But um, Queen Elizabeth II, and then of course the next Queen Elizabeth that, that um, replaced her, of course in 2010 was just called Queen Elizabeth. And I actually do get that question quite a lot on the ships when I when I travel as well, is what, why isn't it QE3? Um, but if you look back at throughout the history of, of Cunard and also White Star Line, which um, merged yep, yep. with Cunard, uh, before the Queen Elizabeth was um, first Queen Elizabeth was launched, um, they've had multiple uses of the same names, but they never used the suffix. So there was a, uh, for example, with Cunard, there was a Mauritania, a very famous ship in 1907 that won the mm-hmm. speed records on the Atlantic, holder of the Blue Riband from 1909 through to 1929. She retired in the 30s and then was um, a little while later a new ship called Mauritania, totally different type of ship, mm-hmm. um, 
Atlantic liner, but different design completely. Yeah. She was introduced and she was just known as Mauritania. Um, similarly with White Star Line, for example, and I mentioned this only because the two companies merged, mm-hmm. so they became one. Um, White Star Line had three Britannics before oh. they merged with Cunard. Yeah, and it's actually interesting because in one of my videos, I talk about the, it's the video about scrapping ships. And um, I mentioned that Britannic was scrapped, the last of the White Star Liners. And I'm referring to, of course, and on the pic- on the screen, that the picture that comes up is the is the third Britannic, mm-hmm. which was a motor vessel, and she was scrapped in the 1960s. But a lot of people leave comments and say, "Dude, like great video, but you've got your history mixed up because Britannic was sunk by a mine." And I'm like, "Yes, the Britannic <laughs> was sunk by a mine, but that was the second Britannic, not the third Britannic." Mm-hmm. And it's because they never used officially a suffix; they never had it yep. Britannic two, Britannic three on the side of the ship, or you know, Mauritania 2, Mauritania 3. And so you look through, like there was multiple um, uh, names that were just reused without any suffix. Now, QE2, actually, now we're probably going to have to touch on it. Um, she was an interesting case. QE2 was the first time that a Cunard ship had a suffix. And the reason is, um, a long, long story, but basically Cunard was humming and hiring as to what they were going to name the ship. They had a short list of names. Some of them were quite... Um, different from some of them are quite different from previous uh names that they'd used right. and they dropped the ia thing with yep. the um with the ship and they uh decided on at the end to call the ship queen elizabeth naming it after the first ship queen elizabeth so it would have just been queen elizabeth yeah, yeah. but the queen herself who was invited to name the ship actually named the ship queen elizabeth the second so oh, really? <laughs> you can actually see it uh, on the video of the launch. She's handed an envelope and doesn't open the envelope and just names the ship Queen Elizabeth II. So she basically named the ship after herself. But <laughs> Cunard was in a bit of a muddle here because they didn't really want their new trendy ship to be the sec- you know, the second on the side of it would have been a little bit much. Yeah. And there was also Queen Elizabeth II or Queen Elizabeth Roman numerals II as a ship in the um, in the military, in the, in the Royal Navy. So they had a discussion with Buckingham Palace and decided that they would use the Arabic 2 um, yes. on the ship, and that's why it became QE2. So um, when Queen Mary 2 was being put into service, they decided to keep that going. So you have QM2 and QM2, QE2 mm-hmm. rather, and QM2, these two ships that were these Atlantic liners in, a, in an era where Atlantic liners don't exist anymore. But when they then retired QE2, they Queen Victoria the new ship's coming in, they're going to call it Queen Elizabeth, and they decided let's stick with what is actually the Cunard tradition and call right. it Queen Elizabeth rather than Queen Elizabeth III. Now, right. what's interesting is that, um, you know, officially from a Queen's point of view, Cunard Queens, Queen Mary was named after Queen Mary, the consort of King George V. Mm-hmm. Queen um, Elizabeth, the first one, was named after... Queen Elizabeth, Elizabeth Bowes Lyon, Queen Mother, the consort of Queen of King George uh, the Sixth, yep, rather. Yep. QE two was of course named by the Queen after the Queen. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, queen Victoria was named after the first. Uh, was named after Queen Victoria, the, who was uh, a reigning monarch in her in her own right. Mm-hmm. Um, and Queen Elizabeth, the um, new ship, is named after the first Cunard Queen Elizabeth. So by right. default, is named after Elizabeth Bowes Lyon. But mm-hmm. on board. There's also tributes to QE2 because the three 
Elizabeth, I suppose, are such an important part of Cunard history. So a very long way of explaining, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, answering the question, but basically it's because prior to QE2, no other Cunard ship or Cunard White Star ship ever had a official suffix. And um, QE2 and QM2 are the only two that did. Love it. And I actually thought it was going to be something completely different. I thought it was just going to be the fact that there hasn't been a Queen Elizabeth III. So you've yeah. completely blown my theory well, out that, of that's, that's, that's like a fair, a fair assumption. But I suppose that the reason why I mentioned where they've all come from is yeah. because a lot of people think they're all named after queens, reigning monarch queens, not consorts. And that's not true. Yeah. The original Mary was obviously named after a consort. The original Elizabeth was named after a, a queen consort. Um, and, um, of course, QE2 was that unique case where she was supposed to be named something completely different, but, the, you know, <laughs> circumstances had what, what it was. It just adds to her, um, you know, the, I guess the the mystique, I guess, of QE2's um, yeah. uh, heritage. It's, it's one of those fascinating stories. And then, of course, Victoria is named after a, a reigning monarch, and so is, um, uh, so is Elizabeth. Brilliant. I love it. Now, let's stay with Queen Elizabeth just a second because you have some great personal news uh, about a, a new book, I believe. Yes. So back in 2019... Um, in the dim we, distant past. I know, when, when, when the world made sense. Um, <laughs> we um, were on board Queen Elizabeth, the cruise ship, current cruise ship, um, and um, we re-photographed the whole ship after her big refit for mm-hmm. an updated version of our Queen Elizabeth book. And it was due to come out in... 2020, but obviously with um, everything that happened, it was delayed. And just the other day, um, a box of books arrived on the doorstep at, at my house, and uh, it's now in print. So nice. it's being loaded up on the ship for those who are going to return to QE in um, in August. So it'll be on on sale on board. But it's and 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 something that you know, again, like uh, we've been so obviously we we write the books, we take the photographs, we proof them, we do all that sort of stuff, but turns up on the door and it's actually in hardback um, rather than a softback, which I wasn't expecting. And I'm delighted that the, oh, publishers, wow. the publishers decided to do that because it's one of those hardbacks that has the picture um, on the actual co- cover. It doesn't have a dust jacket, so it won't yeah, get yeah. damaged in luggage or anything like that. But it's um, just, I don't know, it adds a little something to have it in a, in a very fat, sort of fancy format. So it looks great. And uh, if you're not traveling on the ship and you want to check it out, it's, uh, it's on my website. Brilliant. And uh, of course, the link to Chris's website is in the show notes and the link in uh, within that, of course, of how to purchase it, which is great news all round. Yeah, they're selling it actually on, um, you know, for those in the UK, it's uh, Waterstones and um, Amazon UK, US, um, Amazon, of course, um, and everyone else around the world is also on the book depository, which has it at the moment at the best, the best price I could find online. So, yeah, that's, oh, wow. the, that's the place to go. <laughs> Brilliant. Great news. All very Not sponsored, news. not sponsored. <laughs> no, 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 but it's, uh, it's always... Great to have some some new content, and it's great that you've uh, finally got uh, your, your beloved new book out. So, yeah, I know news. it's nice to see. I mean, we'd updated the Queen Victoria book when she had her refit, Queen Mary too, when she'd had her remastering, and so the, the Elizabeth was sort of left out, you know, because of all the delays with COVID and stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, it's nice to see the lovely new interiors and um, the the print quality is is superb. Like, really, we're really happy with it. So, hopefully, everybody else is too. Sounds great. I'll be jumping online and ordering one myself a little later Oh, thanks, today. Baz.
straight into cruise news because once again we've got a bumper amount of news to get through. And we're going to start off with some good news out of North America where both Princess and Holland America have returned to cruising in Alaska. Yes, and Seattle's a really popular port at the moment, isn't it, Baz? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course, with um, cruising resuming out of Seattle to Alaska from a variety of different um, uh, lines. But of course, Princess and Holland America, both part of the Carnival Corporation. So mm-hmm. they've sort of done a sort of joint celebration, um, which is nice to see. Um, New Amsterdam is the Holland America ship that's going off to Alaska. She's actually already, under, you know, both of them have already undertaken their first voyages now as we record yeah. this so she set sail on the 24th of july and uh, majestic princess for princess cruises the day after on the 25th and uh, both companies both brands are going to be uh, doing uh, 10 voyages out of um, seattle which will take them through until september and uh, while you know i think we were we were talking off air about all these different announcements and how vancouver had been such a popular port Mm-hmm. Um, Seattle has actually been part of the Alaskan cruise operations for quite a long time um, as a departure port. And, uh, uh, you know, both Holland America and Princess have been using the ports for over two decades. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's fantastic. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting is that I quite often get asked, uh, and I'm sure you do too, Baz, is like when a cruise ship pulls into port and does a turnover, uh, a changeover of passengers and food and provisions and all that sort of stuff like what kind of impact does it actually make oh it's huge um yeah it is and you know on the on the world cruises where they're stopping at ports quite often and taking on provisions it's somewhere in the re- region of 150 to 200 thousand dollars but when it comes to a full-on turnover um carnival corp saying uh that, that they're contributing three hundred and sixty-four thousand dollars to the local economy and that includes things like fu- food fuel um flowers which is interesting because mm. many of the ships bring on board flowers but other things that you just wouldn't think of like people who come on board often when you're in um on the ship during during a port day you'll see people come on board and start tuning pianos for example you hear all yeah. these ding 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 <laughs> throughout the ship as they've got these piano tuners to do all of the um musical instruments and stuff on board the ship there's also taxes and then of course the passenger spending as well so um, I guess that's one of the reasons why so many cruise ports are so excited to see at least some ships returning. Exactly. And, um, you know, Seattle and Vancouver are both very, very important to the, the regional community of Alaska. And those those small ports, are, you know, out there with their pots and pans celebrating as these ships go back, which is great. I mean, Holland America has been up in the Alaska region for longer than Alaska has been Alaska. Mm. So it's good to see those guys back. And, of course, Princess also very, very dominant in the, the Alaska landscape as well. So well done to all. And, of course, to the other cruise lines that are also restarting as well. Now, sticking with Princess briefly um, and sticking with Alaska briefly, Princess have actually just celebrated the 20th anniversary of using shore power. Now, we think we talk about this as though it's a new thing. Uh, as new ports bring this technology on. But Juno and Princess Cruises have been partnering with this technology for more than 20 years. Incredible. Yeah, I know. And that's just it. I mean, I suppose as we move more and more towards, uh, you know, population being very aware of environmental issues, we, we're hearing more about the need for this. But it has, you know, cold ironing, as it's, as it's known technically, has been um, a thing for a while. Um, and it just allows these ships to to deactivate their diesel engines whilst they're alongside and utilize power from the, you know, the main grid. Now, in this particular instance, um, it's actually 
plugging into surplus hydroelectric power. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of getting green energy. And um, they say it takes about sort of 40 minutes or so to, to make the switch. So if you've got a ship that's sitting in port for seven hours or something, you know, that's a significant period of time where those diesel yeah. emissions aren't, aren't being utilized. And then we're also seeing, of course, not related to this particular release, but um, around the cruise industry, more and more ships coming into service with, um, you know, LNG power, which is lower emissions than diesel. And, and in fact, later in the podcast, we're going to talk about um, a, a new form of um, powering ships as well. So um, there's a lot of focus on, on reducing the carbon footprint of cruise ships. Yeah, I'm just reading there that Princess actually uh, plug into more than 30 different cities. Sorry, 300 different cities around the world when they connect. So, uh, you know, it's becoming more and more popular each and every day. Now, let's stay with Holland America also, um, because they have uh, not only restarted cruising in Alaska, but they've just taken delivery literally just in the last day or so of their highly anticipated ship, of course, the uh, the next version of Rotterdam. Yes, and here we are, another um, naming <laughs> another naming situation. And and as as you'll know, with your long connection with uh, Holland America, they also, whilst you know, officially um, refer to the to the ships as as one, two, three. When it comes to Rotterdam, on the side of the ship, it didn't have the suffix yeah. either. So it's just the same sort of situation here. That the ship is the ship, and the name is the name. And Rotterdam is a very important name for Holland America. Um, this particular Rotterdam's got an interesting story because she was actually under construction um, with a different name attached to her. Mm. But when um, I think it was going to be Rhinedam, but uh, when of course the existing previous Rotterdam uh, was was withdrawn from service and sold to become a member of the Fred Olsen fleet, it opened up the opportunity to to have yet another um, Rotterdam. Uh, so it's a it's a long heritage, a name that's meant a lot to the brand. The first one um, was part of the fleet all the way back in the 1870s, mm. um, and there's been multiple others. Uh, Rotterdam's uh, and next, the next one in 1878. The third one came along in um, 1897, and then in 1908 they built the fourth one. Um, and those were, you know, the 1908 ship was actually also very, very well, very well known because she served in World War One. Yeah. Um, and also undertook cruising, but uh, after the war. But uh, it's the Rotterdam Five or the Grand Dame, as she's known, the 1959 yeah, Rotterdam. She's the one that's probably the most famous, even even more you know more so than the than the one that's just just uh, retired. Yeah. Um, because she was a dual purpose ship that was built for Atlantic crossings and cruising in the era when jet airplanes were starting to take over. And Holland America very successfully transitioned her into a full-time cruising role, and for you know um, almost forty years, I think it was thirty-eight years. Yeah, yeah. Um, she sailed and she used to undertake world voyages. Um, she was like um, probably you know in 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 terms of awareness would have been Europe's version of the QE two, I suppose. Like, oh yeah, she, she was the poster child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was the ship, a beautiful design. Um, very stylized um, twin funnels at the aft end of the ship. Um, and she survives, thank goodness. She went off to, to cruise um, with Premier Cruise Line after she left Holland America, but then was, um, was bought and returned to the city of Rotterdam and actually survives in her original configuration. They beautifully restored her. I um, mean, she's there in the city, so that's just fantastic. Um, and then, of course, there was the, the sixth one, which uh, entered service in 97 and, and um, lasted across until... 2020 and so we've got uh, the next one 
and uh, again being built at um, our dear friends at Fincantieri. <laughs> yeah, so Rotterdam Seven should be the seventeenth uh, ship uh, constructed by Fincantieri for for Holland America because I've got that uh, that longer connection there. Um, but yeah, I love the the, the whole story behind uh, Rotterdam Five, and I think you and others have said that she, that she's probably the best example of a of using a uh, previous ship as a floating hotel slash museum. They've yeah. done a very, very good job of her. I think so. I mean, Queen Mary obviously last, has lasted longer so far, although she's in terrible um, strife at the moment. But, you know, she she's kind of been, I think, having Rotterdam in Rotterdam with yeah. the people of the country that she was born for, built for, um, sort of there to support her. Mm-hmm. has helped make her like a, a national symbol. I think if Queen Mary was was docked in sort of Southampton it might might make a difference, it, make a difference. Rotterdam being there is just such a such a great um sort of a great place for her to be. Yeah, no, I love it. Now, uh, let's head over to Norwegian Cruise Line now because yet uh, another cruise line had venturing back into uh, the new era and of course on the 25th of July they uh, restarted with Norwegian Jade. They did, yes, and um, making a little bit of um, history for NCL. Although it's you know younger brand than many of the ones we talk about, they still do historic um, mm-hmm. historic events, and um, she'll be their first uh, ship in their in their um, heritage to home port in um, Piraeus, which is the port for Athens. Of course, Norwegian cruise line ships have visited before, but to actually yeah, be based yeah. there is a little bit different. Um, and then she'll be joined actually back in service. Uh, on the 7th of August with uh, Encore, Norwegian Encore. Yep. But that will be out of the US. It'll be the first um, you know, ship to resume cruising in the US market for Norwegian as well. And she'll be going from Seattle. So yeah, busy, busy port. It is, and it's all great, exciting news around the world. Now, more exciting news out of the MSC family. They've just taken delivery of MSC Seashore. Yes, we've been, we've been waiting for this one for a while and we've spoken about it a few times. Yeah. It's a, you know, the, the, the new class of ship. Um, and uh, she is now their their next flagship. So MSC's been sort of switching its flagship up a bit as they um, as they bring new ships online. Um, and interestingly enough, I guess it just shows the resilience of the cruising industry as well. Is that um, not only is this new ship being welcomed, but they've also got a sister ship, Seascape, which is also under yeah. construction at uh, Fincantieri and is due to uh, join the fleet uh, in winter of next year, or their winter, so be our summer yeah. um, of next year. Um, and, you know, we've spoken about traditions in relation to um, launching and naming ships. And another nice little one that's been included here is that the shipyard actually gave the captain of Seashore, the first captain, um, a vessel containing some of the water from the dry dock that was the first water that the ship's hull touched. So oh, wow. nice. <laughs> a nice, nice little, touch. I mean, I know it's it's hard to sort of, pick out what specific water touched what but it was part <laughs> of that floating out so yeah that's 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 kind of cool uh, something a yeah. little bit different yeah and a few stats around her just for those people that love uh, to know about new ships she is uh, 170,000 gross registered tons which is, or just over should I say she's about 5,800 uh, passenger thereabouts mm. about 2,200 uh, cabins 1,648 crew uh, maximum speed of 22.4 knots and uh, she'll be the 19th ship to join the MSC fleet. Sounds like it'd be an interesting ship to to visit one day. 
Mm, when we can, of course. <laughs> you touched on this briefly a moment or two ago, but MSC have partnered with SNAM to investigate the possibilities of hydrogen-powered cruise ships. Yes. So, I mean, like, we've obviously seen, as we mentioned before, this transition from, um, you know, di- diesel crude, diesel, um, you know, generators as being the norm to cruise lines looking around for other options. It sort of started in the 2000s with some ships having the combination diesel gas turbine yeah. power plants gas is obviously really expensive when it comes to running a ship and then they moved to things like lng liquefied natural gas which some of the new ships are doing now and and now of course msc and um and it's it's signed this memorandum of understanding to look into using um hydrogen um you know hydrogen can be uh can be very uh, efficient and um uh, you know, green way of powering things. Of course, it has its own. Um, uh, people hear the word hydrogen immediately think of things like Hindenburg, for example. <laughs> but um, you know, this will be obviously a very different sort of setup to 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 using it to float an, an airship, um, and it'll be through f- fuel cell technology. Um, and they say that if it's successful, um, it will emit only water vapor and heat, which would be yeah. a huge um, positive impact on the on the industry so yeah all eyes should be watching this and and hopefully it'll be become something that can be sort of safely implemented but but here's the thing here's the thing baz is that um with msc what makes it stand out is that the cruise line is just a small part of the overall msc group and it's the msc group that's that's talking um about this hydrogen um power so this could be potentially a huge change if um, they're able to, to the implement that across fleet, yeah. Yeah, the cargo fleet too. So how exciting. Yeah. Brilliant news. Now, uh, of course, we know our friends at Azamara have homeported all of their ships up in Scotland, in Glasgow. They've um, just this week uh, sailed the first ship to return to service. What's going on, Chris? Yeah, well, I mean, they've had, uh, it's been a bit different because m- many of the cruise ships have been sort of laid up offshore. The Azamara fleet spent most of its time um, alongside in Glasgow. Mm, yeah. um, now, that obviously, from an efficiency point of view, is is, is quite good, but it, it presents other other um, issues, I guess, in so much as that the ship hasn't really been haven't been as active, and so before they go off to to cruise, they they're going to go and spend some time in dry dock to you know have their inspections and all that sort of stuff, which is which is good. It's it's of course part of the the ongoing safety commitment that um, that cruise lines have, uh, and so Azamara Quest, she's now left um, Glasgow. And she is heading off to Cadiz in Spain, where she'll have her her dry docking, um, and will prepare her for her um, her first voyages, which will be five um, cruises uh, from Greece. So, yeah. I guess you might wonder why she went to Cadiz rather than having the dry dock work done in in the UK, but it's, uh, it's on the way to Greece. So, um, yeah, it's a makes popular dry dock place as well for some reason. I don't know what. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just it. There's there's Europe's got quite a lot of um, expertise when it comes to to dry docks and ship um, shipbuilding and ship maintenance and that sort of stuff. So you know we've got dry dock opportunities in Spain and also as you get closer to Italy, you know with all the Fincanti area yards as well. So you probably see quite a few of them making their way off into the um, into, into the European waters to have their dry docking. Yeah. Now, um, Celebrity Cruises, uh, another cruise line that have also returned to service. They've actually uh, got two ships that returned to service this week, uh, Celebrity Equinox and Celebrity Millennium. That's right, yes. So uh, Equinox, um, she's Solstice class um, and returned uh, to her cruising on the 25th, so just a few days ago when we recorded this. 
um, and she's doing voyages out of Fort Lauderdale. And then Millennium, um, which I believe is fresh in a new paint paint job. I think she's yes, the I one. That, so, yeah. She looks very smart. Um, she's actually departed a few days earlier, but was out of Seattle. So yeah, go Seattle, <laughs> go Seahawks. I don't know. It's a very popular place. <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> and uh, another brand once again restarting. Well, they uh, Aida have already restarted, in fact, but they're uh, putting another ship back into service this time. We're talking Aida Luna. Yes. So from September the fifth, she'll be their seventh ship returning to passenger operations, and. Uh, you know, each one of them is able to offer slight variations on the itineraries that are being offered as well. So I guess that gives more choice for people. Of course, mm-hmm. Aida being the um, Carnival Corporation's German-European brand. Yep. So they'll be doing voyages from Kiel um, and um, there'll be four-night or four-day trips. And so, yeah, she's, you know, one of many ships in the um, Aida fleet that uh, that they're planning to Plan to return, as I mentioned, they said ten ships by the end of the year, yeah. um, and I think um, they're also pretty excited about the forthcoming arrival of Aida Cosma. Yeah, which I think is December from memory. So yeah, yeah, the end of this year. So. And again, uh, like I mean, it's just it's just remarkable, isn't it? The, the resilience of, of everything when you think about what's happened in the last eighteen months, and yet they're still accepting new ships. They're still um, yep. able to do dry docks, all that sort of stuff. So it's um, it's it's. It'll be a very fascinating case study for uni students in the future, I think, of how yeah. <laughs> to build a resilient business. No, exactly. Mm. Um, let's stay in Europe briefly. We've got our UK brand, Fred Olsen Cruises, um, just this week, in fact, a couple of days ago, announced the 2024 Round World Cruise. Yeah, I'm super excited about this one. I know it's a while off yet, but I mean, it just means that one of the new Fred Olsen ships is going to be in the Aussie waters, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Borealis. So she will, um, she's of course one of the R classes that was bought from Holland America, given a refit, looks beautiful in her new Fred Olsen um, livery. I, I love the red on the funnels. Yeah, it does um, look great. It really suits them. Uh, and um, she'll be doing this 100 and night, 101 rather, night um, voyage around the world, taking in, as I mentioned, Australia, New Zealand, Asia, Europe, the USA. Um, so it departs in 2024 and from a, um, Southern Hemisphere point of view, um, it will include visits to the Great Barrier Reef and uh, also um, going into Papua New Guinea, mm. uh, as well as other wonderful cities such as Auckland and Sydney, and then head off uh, to Mumbai and Dubai. So it's uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, choice that aren't just the um, usual sort of ports that Fred Olsen visits. And, you know, they've always had pretty good footprint when it comes to uh, world cruises. They used to send... Yep. Uh, um, Boudicca and Black Watch on board voyages, so it's going to be super exciting to see a, uh, one of the new ships coming down this way. And the news from Viking uh, this time, Viking have actually recommenced river cruising on some of the French rivers. What's happening, Chris? Yeah, so Viking, as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, is kind of interesting because it has both the river cruising and the uh, ocean cruising. Mm-hmm. So they're now um, officially restarting their uh, itineraries throughout France. Um, and these these voyages are sort of focusing on um, the Seine River, which is one of the major sort of popular yeah. waterways in, in France, of course. Um, and this is sort of like a, a two-pronged thing because not only are they restarting these voyages, but they're also launching these new sort of generation of Viking, they call them Viking longships, which are purposely built river cruise ships that are designed for these particular French waterways. 
Um, and they have 168 passengers in 84 staterooms. So much smaller, obviously, than the big ocean cruise ships, but you know, very intimate experience. And we've, we've sort of spoke to all the benefits of that before. And plus, Emma has a, who you spoke to earlier today, she has a, um, a fantastic video about river cruising on her YouTube. You should go and check out if you wanted to uh, know a bit more about the differences. Yeah, interesting with the the Viking longships. They uh, they actually redesigned uh, and rebuilt. They, the longships are famous across all the European waterways, but uh, the Seine in particular has restrictions on the length of the ships that can go into the heart of Paris. So for that reason, uh, Viking made a decision a couple of years ago. They've constructed some new, slightly smaller, slightly shorter um, longships for the Seine River in particular, and that just allows them to get right into the heart of Paris. In fact, that they actually depart from very very close to the Eiffel Tower, which is mm. a, a great new addition or a great new change for for viking there sounds fantastic now let's go uh, closer to home this time let's head up to asia where of course uh, genting and the genting family have got a couple of cruise brands but first of all let's start with star cruises they've just had an award from the singapore tourism authority yes yeah, so if you remember way back at the beginning of time it feels like these days oh, it does, yeah. um, when the pandemic was sort of unfolding there was this Interesting story coming out of Singapore that uh, ships, two ships of the um, Star Cruises fleet had been um, brought in to act as uh, sort of quarantine ships for um, temporary housing for recovered overseas workers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, yes, this award has been awarded to Star Cruises by the uh, Minister of Trade and Industry in Singapore, and it acknowledges the impact that the positive impact that superstar gemini and superstar aquarius had when from the 29th of april through the 30th of september they operated in this in this role and that made such a huge i suppose impact because it gave a, a, a location for people to to be able to sort of quarantine and i guess showed in some respects how cruise ships can be utilized for secondary roles because i know so many people ask me why they wouldn't yeah. turn into hospital ships or accommodation ships or quarantine ships. And uh, the cruise lines even offered. And of course, in Singapore's case, it was taken up. So yeah, great yeah, to I see guess, them being acknowledged. I guess um, what Star Cruises did really laid the foundations for, for the restarting of cruising in Asia, because Singapore then, of course, went on to, to restart with Dream Cruises and Royal Caribbean mm. with the cruises for Singaporeans. And uh, in the next bit of news from Dream Cruises, they're just about to restart from Hong Kong or have done. Yeah, yesterday when we recorded this, they've um, set sail on their Genting Dreams maiden voyage out of Hong Kong. Um, and this is part of the uh, series of, of voyages. Now, she's only carrying 1,000 people, which is, I think, quite common for the restart. As they're starting with lower passenger numbers than what you would expect, obviously, just to make sure that everything is nicely done. And then they're sort of gradually building it up to the maximum that's allowed. It's, none of the ships, I don't think, are sailing at capacity at the moment. Mm. But... Um, yeah, so off she goes out of Hong Kong, the first one to restart, and we'll see um, what the feedback is. I mean, if anyone now, – now we're in a situation, Baz, where, where really if listeners are taking cruises, they should write in yeah. um, and, and, and get the, um, the reviews happening again because, you know, for those of us who haven't, we've kind of forgotten what it's like. So it'd be nice <laughs> to hear uh, your experiences. Yeah, of course, we heard from Emma a little earlier in the show. But yeah, if anybody has been on a cruise or you're about to go on a cruise, I have got a couple of people that have contacted us via the website to say that we're going on a cruise on such and such a date and we'll, we'll lock in a review on our return. So uh, more than happy to do that for you. Just head to the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, click on join the show and send those details through and uh, we will we'll lock you in and we'll look forward to a, a little conversation around how your 
post-COVID cruise experience was. Mm. And that's, of course, also how you can send questions through to myself or Chris. Ian did so today. That formed the, the Maritime History part of the show, which is always gratefully received as well. Now, Chris, we've got your book on the on the, the shelves now. Anything happening in the YouTube space this week? Yes, yeah, so I am actually putting together a video of the five things I love most about the Brema from Fred Olsen. I've been on a bit of a Fred Olsen oh, yeah. um, uh, journey at the moment. So uh, Brema is a ship that, that won't return to service until early next year. But um, I had uh, the wonderful opportunity to, to go on board and have a, have a very detailed look around the ship a few years ago just after a refit. And so um, I get quite a few questions about her because she's an ex-Cunard ship as well. Um, and so I thought it'd be a nice way to sort of, you know, six minutes of showing you um, five of the spaces on board the ship that, that got me most um, most excited. So yeah, um, and hopefully one day in the future, well, when she's sailing again, I'll be able to go out to sea with her. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to happen. Yes, of course. There's just so many ships. How will we We choose? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it will. Um, Chris, always a pleasure, mate. Thanks once again. It's been great getting the updates uh, for the cruise news this week. And we, of course, will be back with uh, something pretty similar next week. Thanks, Baz. Take care, everyone. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.